This is an ABC podcast. Hey there, Ange McCormack with you for the Hack Podcast. I'm filling in for Dave Marchese today and you'll find out why and what he's up to in just a moment. In the next half hour of this podcast, though, you're going to hear some fascinating results from our survey on what young people like you think about politics. Plus, the problems of systemic racism at Collingwood Football Club keep going more than a year after their damning report into it. We're going to hear from former player Radia Lumumba and why he's released audio recordings between him and his former coach. And a little later on, you're going to meet this guy who's walking from Sydney to Darwin with his dog for a very important reason. You'll find out what it is in a bit. First, though, where the hell is Dave Marchese? Anthony Albanese is a loose unit on Triple J. For the past month, Hack's been all over the place for our election road trip. Bendigo, Perth, Mount Isa, but it's not over yet. And the reason why you're hearing from me, not Dave Marchese today, is that he's on the road again, getting some stories to bring to you tomorrow. Dave, where the bloody hell are you? Yeah, where the bloody hell am I? And thanks so much for (laughs) filling in. I'm actually... Um, in the Hunter Valley right now, and specifically, I've just arrived in Musselbrook, so I'm in the heart of coal country. And the Hunter's a really weird place because there's so many different industries here that you arrive and you arrive in wine country, and then mm. 15 minutes later, you're in uh, thoroughbred country, like horse country, and then 15 minutes after that, you're in coal country. So I'm in coal country at the moment. Right. And, and you're really about. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, you're really comfortable there. This is where you're from. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm I'm from the Hunter, so mm. it's kind of nice to be back amongst um, all my people. But um, we're here to talk about all the big issues because obviously this is a really important region, not only in New South Wales but across the country as well. Yeah, and what can we look forward to hearing to uh, hearing about tomorrow? What's really important for young voters out there? Well, obviously, I said that you know I arrived in wine country, so I hit up the vineyards and you know down to a few bottles <laughs> of wine. You are just getting on the piss today, mate. Come yeah, on, you've got to do hell? what you've got to do, <laughs> you know. Um, but no, honestly, we spoke to some young uh, farmers and uh, a vigneron in the Hunter Valley who you'll hear from tomorrow, who has some really interesting takes on you know this conflict of industries in the Hunter Valley. You'll hear from some people, young people in the mining industry as well, uh, environment skills. These are all issues that are important to young people across the country, but here in the Hunter Valley, they're critically important. So we're going to be diving head into that. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. And someone on the text line says, does Dave's election research involve interviews at the pubs? Coincidence? I think not. Well, yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> Yeah, there might be a bit of that tonight. <laughs> I don't well, anyway, um, drive safe, Dave, and we will look forward to hearing from you tomorrow. Good stuff. Thanks, Anne. See you, Dave. Hi. Anthony Albanese is a loose unit on Triple J. Yeah, so as you just heard, our election road trip with Dave has been in full swing. But as much as we'd like to get everywhere around the country to hear what you think about the election, we kind of can't get everywhere. So instead, we put out a survey to find out what young Australian think, Australians think about politics. It's called the What's Up In Your World survey, and more than 1,600 of you did it. We've released the results today. They're very fascinating. But I do want your takes on this. As a young person, do you feel overlooked this election? Do you feel like politicians are listening to you? Call me, 1300 033536 or text in 0439 757555. 
Let's take a look at this data a bit more with hack reporter Serge Negus. Hey, Serge, what were the most interesting bits from the results today? Hey, Ange. Yeah, look, if there's one thing you take away from this, it's that young people care a lot about politics, but they're also super pissed off about it. So let's get into the numbers for real, though. First up, young people are super interested in federal politics. 78% said they were, and that interest is growing. We did the same survey in 2020, and only 68% said that they were interested in federal politics back then. But what matters to young people when they cast their votes? The top five, according to people who were surveyed, probably won't surprise you. It's the environment, climate change, health, mental health and housing. Issues on gender equality and education weren't that far behind. This is where it gets interesting, though. We asked young people how they feel about politicians, the political system, and how confident they are in them. And it was a total wipeout. Almost everyone said that they don't have any confidence in our politicians working in the best interests of Australia, young people, Indigenous Australians, immigrants, or the planet. On climate change, it was particularly bad. 96% said that they don't think politicians are working in the best interests of the planet. And the question wasn't aimed at a particular party or leader. It was about politicians in general. This lines up with how young people feel about the major parties too. More than a third said that they don't see the difference between the Coalition and Labor Party. And all of this really resonated with 23-year-old Sally from Perth. I absolutely think that the governments are not acting in the best interest of young people or our planet. Our climate crisis is real. It's just embarrassing. And no, our politicians are doing nothing for the planet, nothing for climate, and young people are being left out. Sally doesn't reckon there's much of a difference between the two major parties, which is why she's voting for an independent candidate on election day. So for me, it's almost a statement letting the major parties know that we have had enough and that I can use my vote to say, you're not doing your job properly. And Sally's pretty fed up with feeling like young people are being overlooked in the campaign. The politicians need to start including us in the conversation and stop dismissing us out of hand, I think. Okay, back to the data for a second. You might be thinking, this is just some Triple J survey, right? What do we know about this stuff? Well, here's Inter for Chowdhury from ANU. She's literally writing her PhD on how young people are engaging in politics. I was not surprised by the direction of the results, but I was very surprised by the magnitude. And this just shows how bad the gap is really between young people and uh, people who are supposedly uh, representing them in the parliament. And the reason why young people are feeling so disenchanted, pissed off, overlooked, it's not because we're just big whingers. One of the key reasons that I attribute this trend to uh, lack of representation, to understand youth concerns, you need to have someone who is invested in the lives of young people. And in terms of descriptive uh, and substantive representation. In other words, most politicians are way older than us. And for a lot of young people, that feels like a massive disconnect. Interfa says her own research and Triple J's survey helps bust this myth that young people don't care about politics or that we're lazy or that we're just going to draw a massive dick on the ballot papers for fun. Young people in Australia, they deeply care about politics, but that doesn't mean that they trust people who are in the driving seat. The election on Hack. 
Serge Negus reporting there. And on our Instagram today, someone said, sadly, politicians are working in the best interests of politicians. But let's talk a bit more about this with someone who's very familiar with the subject. Elfie Scott is one of the hosts of a new podcast called Left Right Out, helps break down Australian politics to make it more accessible. Elfie, have young people been left right out of this election? Hi, Ange, and thank you so much for dropping the name of the podcast for that question. Um, well, I mean, 100%. I think it's really obvious to the most like casual news consumers that young people are really being left out of the campaign dialogue. And there was a finding in that survey that you did uh, that said that only 2% of listeners in that 18 to 29-year-old age bracket thought that politicians were working with the best interests of young Australians in mind. And that sounds really disturbing, but at the same time, it feels like absolutely unsurprising to me based on what we've heard from listeners and the sort of things that I'm seeing on social media at the moment. Yeah. And what is that? Like, where does that come from? Why are young people so pissed off in the past couple of years? What's really gotten to them (laughs) that finally they're going, you know what? Politicians don't represent me. I'm sick of it. Uh, honestly, like, I think that young people are just starting to feel totally disillusioned with the two major parties. Like, neither Morrison nor Albanese are talking seriously or progressively about the issues that young people are really interested in. And that has really come to the forefront over the past couple of weeks. And the thing is, I really don't want that to be confused with the idea that people are disillusioned about politics and democracy in general, Mm. because I don't think that young people are. I think that they want to use their vote and they believe in the power of it. It's just that neither the Liberal Party nor the Labor Party seems to recognise that right now. So the academic that we spoke to in that story said representation is a big issue. You know, there's there's barely any young people in Parliament. And at the end of the day, the choice between the two major leaders, you know, they're two old white guys from Sydney. I mean, <laughs> how much does representation matter to young people? Oh my God, and it matters hugely. So obviously in the past year, we've seen so many issues about the treatment of women uh, coming to the fore um, more dominantly than ever before. So, you know, it's been brought to our attention by trailblazers like Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame. And yet, like you say, we're still looking at voting for two white guys in their 50s. Um, But I would also say that as a person of colour, like I really can't deny that the fact that I never saw people who looked like me in government growing up really turned me off the concept of ever burning, uh, ever bothering to learn about politics until I was in my 20s. So when the political institutions that we look to for leadership totally fail to represent us, why would, we, why would they expect us to keep engaging with them? You're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm Ange McCormack filling in for Dave Marchese today. I'm talking to Elfie Scott from the Left Right Out podcast. On the Triple J text line, someone says, why would politicians work in the interests of young people? Their job is to work in the interests of the majority and sadly, the young people aren't the majority. And someone else says, I would encourage young people to do their research in finding a candidate that fits their values because all of these independents are only running on one issue. That's interesting. Um, Elfie, you know, these results that we got today said that a third of young people don't see a difference between the major parties. What do you think that says about why young people are so attracted to the independents and the minor parties this election? (laughs) Okay, so easily by far the question that Justine, um, my co-host and I receive uh, through the Left Right Out account is like, what's the difference between the Liberal and the Labor Party? And like for those of us who have been around for a few more federal elections, that can sound like an obvious question. But if you've only voted 
in the last election or this one, I don't think it's very surprising. And I think there's an obvious swell of interest in the Greens and independents, not just because they're talking about the issues that people care about, but because they're kind of talking in our language, like they're using social media well, mm. uh, they're really sort of, um, you know, capitalising on that sort of arena that we tend to occupy. And I mean, I'd compare that to say like the Liberal Party's TikTok page, if you've ever seen that, it's a bit of a disaster. <laughs> so I think it's not just the messages that part, minor parties and independents are putting out there, it's how they're getting them out there. Right. And, you know, like even I, I think that speaks to this whole issue of, um, I don't know, where we where we see politicians in the media. You know, there's a, there's a debate tonight between the two leaders and it's on mm-hmm. Channel 7, like on a, you know, <laughs> a, just a broadcast TV channel. A lot of young people don't have TVs or they might not have their antenna plugged in. You know, I think that probably speaks to it too. Um, But Elfie, what issues do you think young people want to see get more airtime in the last week and a bit of the campaign? (laughs) Climate change is so bloody obviously like the biggest one and I feel stupid saying that to some extent because I'm like, of course young people care about it. It's literally the biggest force that's going to impact their futures. Um, But then in terms of other issues, there are things like, House prices for first home buyers, um, arts funding, First Nations issues, mental health and refugee policy that have just completely dropped off the map when it comes to campaign dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see. There's, you know, I think about 10 more days, who's counting, towards the election (laughs) and we'll see how it does pan out for young people. But Elfie Scott, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much, Ange. That was Elfie Scott there. She's one of the hosts of the podcast called Left Right Out. And on the Triple J text line, Mortimer from Cranbourne North, you say, I'd happily vote for and follow the politician who can compromise, take all arguments on a policy and find the middle ground. It can't be that hard. Hack. Apology? Is it as so, simple as that? Well, he has been apologised too. I've apologised to him and the club has apologised to him. On Triple J. Last year, Collingwood Football Club went through a massive crisis. A report was leaked to the media. It found there was systemic racism at the club. It, of course, led to a bunch of changes at Collingwood, including Eddie Maguire stepping down as president. At the centre of all this was the former club player Heretia Lumumba. He was a star player but endured years of racism at the club. And the relationship between Heretia Lumumba and Collingwood and his former coach Nathan Buckley has been pretty messy. It's ultimately led to Heredia Lumumba and two other players cutting off all communication with the club because they were basically disappointed with how Collingwood has been handling all the recommendations to fix racism there. This week, Heredia Lumumba posted recordings of conversations from 2014 between himself and Nathan Buckley on Twitter. Nathan Buckley appears to say that Heredia Lumumba threw Eddie Maguire under the bus when he called him out for a comment he made about Adam Goods. Let's find out more about this whole saga with Heredia Lumumba. Heredia, thanks for speaking with me on Triple J. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Always look forward to speaking with Hack. Heritia, your relationship with Collingwood has been fraught, maybe to put it lightly, for a, a long while now. Um, but it wasn't always that way. It was called a fairy tale marriage, some people have put it. When did it go wrong exactly for you and, and why? I try not to really look at it as it was a fairy tale marriage because what a lot of people forget in this timeline is that within the first year of me being at the club, I, I got the nickname Chimp. And it wasn't just. I guess, interpersonally that I experienced it from within the organisation. But when I arrived at Collingwood and into the AFL system, there weren't too many players 
with the same ethnic background as myself and, and cultural heritage. So I was definitely exoticized from as soon as I walked into the door from the media, playing in the VFL before I got into the AFL. Uh, I did get fan abuse from the sidelines. You know, there were a gamut of challenges that I had to go through from day one. But having said that, you know, I was still living my dream. I was playing in the biggest sporting club uh, in Australia and great time. I, I, I still, to this day, I have so many fond memories of my career. Something that's happened this week, uh, you released recordings between yourself and former coach Nathan Buckley. Uh, that's, again, another relationship that has had its highs and lows as, as we've you know publicly seen. In the recordings, he accuses you of throwing Eddie Maguire under the bus for calling him out on a comment he made about Adam Goods, as was well publicised as well. Why did you release those recordings this week? Well, I think the timing of it, it was a long time coming. That particular meeting took place in 2014. The reason why I began to record myself within the AFL system and within these interactions was simply to protect my lawful interests. And in terms of the timing, why now? You know, I'm, I'm becoming a father for the second time in just over a couple of weeks now. I've just come off the back of 15 months of direct dialogue with Collingwood that unfortunately came to a dramatic ending uh, because of Collingwood's continued misconduct and, I guess, abuse of power. So, you know, I, I tried my best to collaboratively reach or create a, a, a process of reconciliation. And unfortunately, I ran into the, the exact same problems that I always have with the Collingwood Football Club. So that left me with the burden of still carrying these truths that I have. I, I do just want to go back to the recordings briefly. Nathan Buckley responded to, to you releasing them and asked you to or offered you to release the recordings in full, unedited. Uh, will you do that? No, no. Look, I, look I'm, actually, I'm not going to say I'm not going to categorically that I will never do that, but it's definitely not at his request. I mean, the last time I actually literally spoke with Nathan Buckley was that was literally like having a conversation with him was that recording, you know, when he's telling me that he's throwing the president on the bus. If I could just tell you one thing is that obviously throughout the harm that was caused caused to me at the time that I played at Collingwood, um, there were traumas involved, traumas that needed healing. That's why I left Australia as well. Part of that was part of my healing journey. And on the other end of that, you know, I I realised, and this is what I'm very fortunate, my father-in-law is a psychologist especially for black men and black boys. And one thing that he always told me is that that the opposite of trauma is the power of choice. So for Nathan Buckley to think that he can dictate to me what I do with, you know, what I've done, uh, to which is protect my legal rights through the recordings, is it, just ludicrous. I mean, the owner should be totally on him to own... Right. In- I guess he, he must be implying, though, in saying that, that there's something else in the recordings that you haven't uh, presented to the public. Like, is there anything in that? Absolutely not. Uh, absolutely not. Like, the, all of those recordings were taken during the time where I was literally banging my head against the wall trying to explain to these people in positions of power that I was not the person that was wrong, that I was actually in the interests of the Collingwood Football Club, that I was helping to preserve the integrity of the Collingwood Football Club. And it was literally like talking to a brick wall. Have you spoken to anyone from Collingwood this week? 
who's still inside of the organization? Yeah. No, no, I haven't. Like I said, I put it, I put a, uh, you know, a statement out a couple of weeks sure. ago. I finished communications with them. But as far as I'm concerned, the last communications that I had with them, it was horrendous. So was it the, the conduct or the behaviour in those meetings or was it the intent behind it as well or the, the lack of faith that you had which led you to stop all communications with Collingwood? I would say it was a combination of all the things that you mentioned. You know, it was the conduct, it was the dishonesty, it was the abuse of power. It was just an extremely frustrating thing to do. And let's not forget that this is coming off the back of my the history that I had with the club. So for, for a lot of people that say that I'm unreasonable, I'll never get be happy. Well, I still had the genuine, I guess, openness to find some kind of reconciliation, even after I'd been treated so poorly and... Not only did I have to deal with what I did for all that time, but going back in and reconnecting and seeing it was the same. It wasn't just me that said that. There was two other former players, Leon Davis and Andrew Cracker, who um, were, were on that journey with me for the last 15 months. And they walked away too because of the same thing. We were just, every meeting, we were literally just scratching our heads, just wondering what is going on here. <laughs> And what do you hope comes from the club now? Do you have any faith that they'll, you know, act upon and, you know, um, I guess enforce those re- recommendations that came from this Do Better report? Do you do you see change being possible? You know what? I, I haven't even really given it much consideration I, to, to even form an opinion. Right now I'm, I'm done, you know. I've taken this as far as I can. I'm ready to walk away. Like I, I don't really have much hope in them currently but maybe time will prove me wrong maybe time over time they'll be able to implement some things and create some meaningful change but you know I'm I'm certainly I wouldn't be putting my money on it just based off of you know what I saw but um, it is what it is you know it, for me it's a chapter closed I took the fight to them and um, you know we'll be able to reflect on this in years to come and and we'll be able to judge you know the impact that it's had Heritia Lumumba, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hack on Triple J. That was Heredia Lumumba there, and we did invite Collingwood Football Club to come on and talk about this. They declined, but gave us a statement from their CEO, Mark Anderson. He said, The recent 12-month review of the club by the Do Better authors found we have made significant and genuine progress on many of the recommendations. The review gave us confidence that we are on the right track and the whole club at every level is committed to doing better. The club knows that we still have a long way to go in the fight against racism. And I firmly believe that he's conquered something in himself and he's well on the way to recover. On Triple J. The next guy you're about to meet has a pretty unusual story, but I think you're going to like him. Benny Scott is 28 years old and he's currently walking from Sydney to Darwin. It's not because petrol's too expensive. He's making the journey with his dog Frankie to raise awareness about addiction and mental health. Benny has been dealing with drug addiction but says going to rehab isn't really an option for him because to go he'd have to leave his best mate Frankie behind. Benny's still on the road now. He's been walking for about four months already and he's still got a little way to go to Darwin. Benny, thanks for chatting with me. Where are you now? Hey there. I'm in uh, Mount Isa currently. Oh, awesome. Uh, Just taking some downtime, hiding from the weather. We had some rain come in, so... Just taking a couple of zero days just to do some uh, video editing and 
and relax with the puppy. Yeah, nice. Um, we were just there last week. Mount Isa, beautiful part of the world. Um, Benny, why did you decide to make this incredibly long journey? It sounds kind of crazy on paper. Yeah, so I was struggling with addiction for, for a couple of years there and the family was hassling me to go to rehab, but I couldn't leave my best mate. So I, uh, you, under my own steam, decided to do my own recovery and here we are walking across the country and trying to make a difference. So, I mean, how, so you couldn't take your best mate, Frankie, the German shepherd along with you to rehab. Yep. How, how big yep. is that an issue um, for rehab centres not being pet friendly? Like are yeah, any of them just, pet friendly? Yeah. It's a huge issue. Um, there's so many people out there, as you know, people with PTSD and other mental health issues that have their dogs and they can't leave them. So people who struggle with addiction and don't want to leave their dog are just at their wit's end. They don't have nowhere to go. And many people just go untreated. And I was fortunate enough to, to do my own recovery and now I'm here to... Um, the end goal is to, to open a pet-friendly recovery centre for people who are in the same position as, as I was. Yeah, right. Um, Benny, your line is a little bit funny. I might just get you to um, put the phone up to your mouth a little bit more so it doesn't... Oh. Yeah, it's just a, dropping out in a weird way. But, um, Benny, uh, tell me, how is your recovering recovery going? You said that you struggled with drug addiction and, as I understand yeah. it, you're essentially getting clean while you're making this incredibly yeah. long journey, right? Like, how is that going? Uh, really, really, really well, actually. So I, I didn't, um, I got sober before I left and I got everything in order. And then this is, um, and then this is to sustain the recovery. So it's a long, recovery is a super long process. And as, um, as you probably know, people who do go into recovery often relapse. So this is a, an unconventional method into uh, to sustain the recovery. So we, uh, we're walking from Sydney to Darwin, walking every step, and then we plan to even go further. Yeah, right. On the Triple J text line, someone says, what an absolute legend. Good on you, Benny. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm talking to Benny Scott. He's doing this really long walk from Sydney to Darwin. I don't know how many steps that is, Benny. Like how many steps uh, are you doing every day? We do it on a big day. We do up to 60, 60 or 80,000 steps in a day. So Whoa, um, that's I don't a... know my mathematics there, but you can... <laughs> yeah, on a big day, we do 60 to 80,000. Yeah, right. And, and so how is Frankie your dog going it's a lot of walking like 60 to 80 thousand it's a lot of walking yeah can uh, you describe like the well, setup you've got to keep yeah, him happy and so got, safe um, yeah so i've got uh, t a baby pram um, okay. <laughs> because he's a big fur baby so when he gets sore or tired he just rides up front and i push him the whole way so it's one of those fuel chariot bicycle uh, the ones that connect to the back of your bike um, yeah, right. So many he's... people ride around the city with their, their kids in the back. I ride with uh, Frankie in the front. I like the term chariot. It makes him seem like a, a prince of the the outback road. He is. <laughs> he, absolutely, he is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's proper spoiled. He's got shoes when he's um, when his paws get sore. Oh, he rides that he is adorable. <laughs> and yeah. You've got the dream, the dream and the reality. The dream is when you're, um, if you see the Eskimos and they're saying mush and it's like, and they're telling you along and the reality is I get to push Frankie. He's the king. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, your reception, I think in Mount Isa is a little bit funny, but we'll power through. Um, Benny, your goal after Darwin is to actually go even further around the world. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, we plan to go all the way uh, to Alaska, so going from Darwin into Indonesia, walking up through Thailand and all the way 
uh, finishing off in Alaska, kind of symbolic because my sister's name is Alaska. Oh, wow. Very nice. Like, that'll yeah, be a so huge journey. Yeah, making it to that'll... Alaska would be um, How long of... would that take? Uh, anywhere, anywhere up to five years. I'm, I'm following a guy that's about to be the tenth man and first dog to circumnavigate the globe. Yeah, right. And he's been on the road for up to eight years. Wow. So, okay. So you're yeah. really committed to this whole thing, and I mean, absolutely. Yeah, you've absolutely. already been doing it for months. That's a lot of time to yourself, a lot of time to yeah. think. What have you learned about yourself? I've learned that um, that with purpose and vision, you can get your life back. Yeah, right. Okay. And and what else have you been doing to keep occupied on the road? Like are you um, listening to Triple well, J made, all the time? Yeah, <laughs> no, so I made I made a conscious decision not to bring headphones so I can connect more with the walking. Oh wow. But, um, okay. You know, it's we're pretty flat out. We do we walk eight to ten hours a day, then we also do video editing. You've got to eat, you've got to um, you've got to um, do all the bits and bobs, like setting up your campsite, packing up your campsite. So we're pretty much packed to the brim every day and we wear ourselves right out so that I don't have to, um, don't have a, a running mind at night. I just sleep, sleep like a lot. Oh, you'd sleep pretty good. Um, hey, uh, Benny, on the text line, someone says, should have a GoFundMe to help Benny and his best friend. I believe you do, right? Yeah, so we do have a GoFundMe. The end goal is we want to open a pet-friendly recovery centre. So we are raising awareness, but it is really important. We're trying to raise as much funds as we can. So we've got uh, a direct link to the charity that um, that will go towards a pet-friendly recovery centre and a GoFundMe to help, you know, get Frankie a can- uh, nice nice, uh, nice bone and get us some <laughs> accommodation with some air con to have Amazing. a rest when we need to. Amazing work. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us, Benny, and good luck on the rest of the road trip. Thank you so much. Have a lovely afternoon. Hack on Triple J. That was Benny Scott there, and the organisation he's raising money for is called Walk to Recovery. That's all we've got time for in today's episode, but Dave Marchese will be back with you tomorrow.